bow. See, see that? See how that works? Um, but no, uh, I'll let my wife introduce herself and um, yeah. Uh, hello, everybody. My name is Vanessa. I know I've met you guys, uh, some of you guys at the marriage retreat. Um, but we're just so blessed to be here. We're so blessed uh, to be a part of what the Lord is doing here. Um, I believe that this is just, I don't know, I just feel like this is just the beginning of what God wants to do and pour out. Um, a little bit about me, we, uh, we have two kids. Uh, we have a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old. We've been married for 15 years. In December, we just completed 15 years. Um, and God has just been so good. Where I love your guys' pastors. I love Pastor Gabo and Vanessa. They've been a tremendous blessing to Chuck and I um, in many different seasons. Uh, but yeah, I mean, aside from that, we're just blessed to be here and uh, just to have the Lord do whatever he desires to do. Awesome. Thank you, Vanessa. Yeah, you know, it's, um, it, it's awesome being able to be here, and it is an honor to be here with uh, Pastor Gabriel and Vanessa and the Manchas. And, you know, it, it's awesome because I know we talked a little bit about it this weekend, but Gabriel and I have been friends for many, many years. And it's awesome to see that no matter what seasons of life we've been through, them being in Estonia and then in Germany and then in London and us being here in Cali and now being in Texas, that though there's been separation, that our friendship has always been knit. And I believe that's because of Christ, that our relationship has been knit because of Christ. It wasn't because of a season. It wasn't because we were, quote, serving together, because we certainly really weren't serving together. But it was really the kind of thing where deep calls out to deep. And so I believe there was this uh, thing within our spirits that we really felt connected over the years. And so, uh, and we plan to uh, just be friends for however long, you know. And, and uh, so I love you guys. Love you, Pastor Gabriel and Vanessa. And thank you guys. But I want to go ahead and open up in prayer and just really allow uh, the Lord just to kind of minister to our hearts this evening. And so let's just close our eyes. Father, we just thank you, Jesus. We just thank you. Holy Spirit, we give you the room. We don't make room. We give you the room. This is your room. This isn't about me. It isn't about Vanessa. It's not about what we can minister on or speak to. It's about you and your glory, Jesus. So, Father, I ask you that you would have your way tonight. Let me get out of the way. I get out of the way so that you could take over. We say that every spirit that is not of the Holy Spirit would leave this place. All distractions, any discouragement, anything that maybe, uh, maybe has even been on our minds these last few weeks. We say right now that it would be silent. So Holy Spirit, have your way. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So I, uh, I'm super honored to be able to kind of kickstart and uh, launch this this um, message and this really this um, sermon that he has been going this series on abide, just to let you know a little bit of this topic on abide. This is probably one of the topics that has been really on my heart. I would say the last two and a half three years. 
Uh, Gabo did not know about this prior to coming here. Um, there's a message that over the last year, God has been putting in my spirit about this word abide and what abide means. And I think so often in the church, we forget that church is about abiding in Jesus. It's not about anything else. That church, we don't come here to gather to say, oh, hey, what can the minister come? And though church is to equip the saints and, and to uh, uh, empower them so that they can go out, church is for the Lord. It's for us to minister to the Lord. It's not about us coming and getting ministered to. It's not about us coming and say, hey, can you fill my cup? No, that is something you do with Jesus on your own. That is where your cup gets filled. When we come to church, it's, Lord, I come here to minister to your heart. To, Lord, behold you and give you glory for nothing else. And so this evening, as we go into this word, abide, um, I really want you just to keep your hearts open, um, keep your minds open. And so uh, I'm going to go ahead and just start. And so I came here to tell you that spiritual growth comes from abiding in Christ. That spiritual growth comes from abiding in Christ. The title of my message is Abiding in the Holy One. And I'm going to go ahead and read this scripture. This is going to be the anchor of, our, uh, of the message found in the book of John chapter 15, verse 1 through 11. If you have your, your Bible, your tablet, your iPhone, you can follow along. And I'm going to go ahead and read it says, and I am the true vine. This is Jesus. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you abide unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And I'm going to go ahead and stop there on verse 6, and we'll kind of continue on here. But here we see Jesus. He's saying, abide in me, and I will abide in you. And really, when we think about that scripture, we see if there was a, a, a vine here, and the branch is connected to the vine, it is one. And so the very branch and the vine become intertwined together and now become one. So when Jesus is saying that abide in me and I abide in you, that means that you are the dwelling place of the Lord Almighty. That the very king of the universe, the very creator of the world abides in you. He lives in you. And so when we think about that, I want you to imagine, man, that means the creator, God himself, the Holy Spirit is the very, his dwelling place. And we're going to get into it. But he lives in me. He's not over there. He's not over here. He's not in the room in the back. He's here. 
That means everywhere I go, the Lord goes with me. That every room I step into, the Holy Spirit is with me. That means, and, and, and I would challenge, and this may even be a paradigm shift, but this means that we don't need to go into a room and say, oh, the presence of God is in that room. Or the presence of God is in this room. No, no, no. The presence of God is here. And that means that every room I step into, that the very presence and the glory of God goes into that very vicinity. Because you are carriers of the glory. You are carriers of the very presence of God because he dwells in you. But he will only dwell in you if you abide in him. And so I want to read the definition of this word abide. What does it mean to abide? The definition of abide is to remain, to stay, or in some usages, to endure. Now, the Greek definition is this word meno, which means to reside, stay, live, lodge, tarry, or to dwell. Repeat that. This word meno means to reside. I want you to imagine this. If you've seen your buddy's house, your family's house, someone's house, what is it? That's the place where they live. It's their habitation. It's the place they live and they dwell. And so this word abide, when he says, I abide, he lives in you. And he stays in you. Now I want to I focus on this word here, to dwell. Because it says, it talks about this word dwell, that that. Abide means to dwell. So meno describes something that remains where it is and continues in a fixed state. Meno can also mean to take up personal residence or make yourself at home. This word comes from another Greek word, and, and I hope I'm pronouncing it right, but is gnome, which means mansion or habitation. So to dwell is to live or stay in a place forever. This is what to dwell means. And here is, here is the truth. When Jesus is speaking and saying he is the vine and we are the branches. That he is saying when we abide in him, he abides in us. And we now become the very dwelling place of the Lord. So what is the purpose of abiding in him? Why did Jesus talk in this parable and say, if you abide in me, I will abide in you? Was it for you to become a successful Christian? Was it for you to, to say, hey, well, everything I ask in Jesus' name, I can ask, and please hear my heart, I can ask for a new house and a new car and material possessions and all this. And yes, that is so. God, I believe, blesses us. But abiding in Jesus and him in us has nothing to do with that. Abiding in Jesus and him in, to, and him in us is to literally come into the perfect reflection of Jesus. Meaning, when people see you, they see Jesus. That when we look in a mirror, I don't see Chuck. I see Jesus. That we are called to be very reflections of who God is in our character, in our manner, in our mindset, in our speech, that every bit of us would reflect who Jesus is. So the purpose of abiding in Christ or abiding in him is to be a reflection of his glory. It is 
to bear fruit that our lives would reflect the very fruit of the Spirit. So I would question you and, and, and propose this thought to you. That are you bearing fruit of the Spirit? And if you're not, are you truly abiding in Him? Because that which you behold is that which you become. This is why when, when you see people who hang around in a certain crowd, what happens? They become just like that crowd. This is why. Oh, man, I, I, I'm just going to step on some toes here, all right? And, I, and I, please, not doing it on purpose, but I feel I need to go there. You know why Christians get worn out and cold? I think Pastor Mancha mentioned a refrigerator. It's because you haven't been sitting by the fire of God. You get cold. You get worn out. You begin to, to, to become desensitized to the very things of God because you haven't been close to the flame. You know why when you're in a campfire and you begin to smell like smoke? It's because you've been right by the flame of God. But when you've been distanced from the flame of God, what happens? You don't smell like smoke. You don't carry the essence of the burning fire. You become like a refrigerator. Cold. Numb. Desensitized to the very things of God. But when you get close to the fire... You begin to smell. You begin to smell like the very essence of campfire. This is why when people come from different places, or if you ever went to Korean barbecue, and someone comes back from Korean barbecue, and they're like, dang, bro, you smell. Like, you literally smell like meat and smoke. Why? Because you've been dwelling right next to it. See, it's impossible for us. It's impossible. It's impossible. To truly dwell with the Lord... And not carry the very essence of Jesus. Meaning, when you walk into a room, do you carry the essence of Jesus? Do you look like Jesus? Do you talk like Jesus? Do you think like Jesus? One of the other purposes of abiding in him is that we would have relationship with him. It's to reflect his glory, to bear fruit, and so that we would have relationship with him. I'm going to go ahead and speed on real quick, but as I was reminded of this passage of Jesus and talking about the vines, I couldn't help but think about the Levitical priests. And I'm going to give you some context of who they were, what they were, and, who they, uh, and really how they were called. So in the book of Exodus and Leviticus, and I would encourage you, go and study it on your own, but Moses was out. He was raising up a church, essentially. And God tells Moses, raise up priests, Aaron and his sons, who would become the Levitical priests. So Moses is essentially like the head pastor of, of the time. And Aaron and his sons were almost like the assistant pastors, worship leaders, if you want to call it that. And in the book of Exodus and Leviticus, God tells Moses, go and anoint them. And consecrate Aaron and his sons that they would become priests. See, the priests, and again, go, I encourage you, go and, and when you're home, go and study on this. But the only people who could go into the Holy of Holies behind the veil were the Levitical priests. It was Aaron and his sons. And they were the only ones that could go. And as they went, they encountered the very presence of God where the Ark of the Covenant was. 
No one else could go there. But see, these men, Aaron and his sons and the Levitical priests, they had to be consecrated. They had to be set apart. They had to deny every bit of their flesh so that they could go and enter into this place of the Holy of Holies. And as I was reading this, it reminded me so much of us in the New Covenant or the New Testament. See, Jesus tore the veil. He separated the veil. And why did he do that? The Bible says when, when he died and was crucified and, and, and the earthquake shook the ground, that the veil tore. And that was so that each and every one of us could access the very place of the Holy of Holies. That what was once a law and had a barrier, we could now enter into to abide in his presence. Aaron and his sons were Levitical priests who were consecrated, set apart, and would dwell in the place of the Holy of Holies. They were the ones who would go into the Holy of Holies, and guess what they did? Did they look for a ministry and say, hey, and I know I'm going to step on some toes and, and all this, but they didn't look for titles. They didn't look for position. They didn't look for, oh, this and oh, that. They looked for one thing, and that's why they were called. They were called to minister to the heart of God. They were called to minister to the heart of God. And the second thing was to bring sacrificial offerings on behalf of the people. This was the place of Levitical priests. That as they dwelled in the place of the Holy of Holies, they ministered to the Lord. And I'm going to go back into our scripture here uh, in verse 6 of our uh, anchor text. John 15, verse 6. And it says, if any one does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You know what Jesus was saying? He wasn't saying, hey, ask me for this new thing. He was saying, as you abide in me, ask me, make me holy. Ask me that you would be a carrier of my glory. Ask me, this is why, and we'll go on, that we are called, mere Christianity is for nothing more than to become and reflect the very image of Jesus. What did Jesus do with his father? He constantly sought the Father, came out from the hiding place or the dwelling place, and what did he go do? He ministered to people. And right after he ministered to people, what did he go back and do? He went back into the dwelling, back into the hiding. going to uh, go on in this scripture here. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, verse 9. Abide in my love. If you keep my commands... Commandments, excuse me. You will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and, uh, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. As disciples of Jesus, 
as followers of Jesus, part of abiding in him is learning how to minister to the Lord and allowing him to minister to us. This is the place of abiding. And so I would challenge you and really have really consider it and ask yourself, do I reflect the image of Jesus? Do I look like him? Going back to that fire, do I carry the essence of Jesus? I'm going to be super real and share my heart. I don't believe that Jesus ever called us to say, hey, though we're called to make disciples, we know that, and preach the good news and, and do all these great exploits. Jesus never called us to say, hey, how can I better your life?com He didn't do that. Now, are those results of, of seeking him? Does he bless us? Does he take care of us? Absolutely. So I'm not talking about blessing. And I'm not talking about God's provision and God's favor. Because we do know those are the things of people who what? Abide in him. So when my first priority as a Christian comes to abide in him, to acknowledge him, to minister to his heart, and for him to minister to me, guess what? Favor, prosperity, and blessing unleashes. This is why when I see so many Christians uh, struggle, not, not only uh, monetarily, but they're always going through these challenges and these challenges. It's like, man, why are you always struggling? Because they forgot to abide in the vine. See, those who abide in the vine, he said, ask me. Ask me. This is where the authority comes. Those who walk in the authority of God, do you know why they walk in the authority of God? It's because they know they've been connected to the vine. So they know if I am connected to the vine, everything I ask, he does for me. So Lord, make me holy. Lord, make me pure. Lord, make me righteous. Lord, I ask you that my marriage would be holy and set apart and consecrated. Lord, make my home a dwelling place for your glory and presence. We're going to um, go ahead and, and start winding down here. But I want to propose this thought. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. And it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Jesus consecrated, or excuse me, Jesus didn't, but God did. God used Moses to consecrate Aaron and his sons. And this consecration made them priests. And Jesus refers to us as priests. And priests have one thing that they would do. Ministering to the heart of God, beholding his glory, and reflecting his very image. And so the heart cry 
of someone who abides in the Holy One is two things. To minister to him. This is what abiding in the Lord comes from. When we abide in him, I love what uh, Melvin was singing earlier. We don't come to the Lord like he's our butler. Hey, Lord, do this for me. Do that for me. And yes, we, we do ask God for things. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you know the greatest prayer that you can do? Greatest prayer is when our heart changes from saying, Lord, I don't need to ask you for anything. He's already given it all. That the heart posture within us changes and says, Lord, when you died on the cross, you did enough. So, Lord, I come to you. Bless you. I glorify you. You are holy. I magnify your name. That that is part of abiding in him. That we would bless his name. And as we bless his name and abide in him by following who he is, what does he do? He makes us holy. He makes us righteous. He makes us pure so that what? We can bear fruit. And that fruit is the fruit of the Spirit. That is the whole concept of abiding in the Lord. And when we put those things first, this is why that scripture that we all know, very uh, first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things shall follow. The first priority of everything in life is seeking him, beholding him, and saying, Jesus, make me holy. And as we do that, and we seek his righteousness, guess what happens? Favor unlocks. Blessing unlocks. Prosperity unlocks. We don't need to chase it. The key to success, and I know I'm getting off here, way off. You want to know the key to success? Here's the key to success. At the threshing floor. The key to success is not, hey, let me go submit a billion and one resume so I can have an interview and say this, this, and that. The key to success is saying, Lord, take it all. Lord, I deny myself, my pride, my arrogance, my insecurities, my humanity. Lord, I lay it all at your altar. Make me like you, Jesus. And when our heart posture begins to turn, that the only thing we're infatuated by is becoming more like him, beholding his glory. That Jesus says, ah, now, favor and success unravels. I'm telling you, the very key to a Christian's life is chasing the very flame of God. That we would say, Lord, send me through the fire. Lord, purge me, God. Lord, send me to the refiner's fire that every bit of my humanity would be stripped so that I could be a carrier of who you are in humanity. Here's the truth. I've done it on my own. I've tried being behind a pulpit, and I'm going to be super real. I've been behind a pulpit, and I was doing it in my own flesh. I was doing it in my own strength. I was talking from my own lips. And I realized, this is terrible. I'm empty. I'm dead. Because somewhere along the line, I forgot my first love. I forgot the very one I'm beholding. That it's not about ministry. And he is the ministry. Beholding the king of glory and saying, Jesus, have your way in my life. Melvin, if uh, you, you would, wouldn't mind coming up, we're just going to go ahead and. 
So why do we abide in Jesus? Three things. Three things. Why do we abide in Jesus? One, to be holy as he is holy. That is why God died, so that we could become like him. Number two, to bear fruit and be in union with the Holy Spirit. And number three, to become carriers of his glory. I want you to go ahead and close your eyes. I just want you to gaze into the heart of the Lord. And what I mean by gazing into the heart of the Lord is I want you to imagine right there in front of you. I want you to imagine, close your eyes, block out your neighbor. And I want you to imagine Jesus being right in front of you. And you're gazing into his eyes. And you're saying, Jesus, I want to become like you. I want to look like you. I want to carry the very essence of who you are. Lord, that all of my humanity would be stripped, that my mindsets, that my opinions, but Lord, I long to look like you. Keep your eyes closed. Pastor Mancha earlier in prayer, he was talking about prayer language and praying in the Holy Ghost. And I felt in my spirit as I was preparing for this evening's message. We're not going to have a time where I lay hands on you and all that stuff. But in the book of Acts, it says this. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as fire appeared on them. And it rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In my spirit, I felt that tonight the Lord wanted to give you the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That the Lord wanted to give you the gift of speaking in other tongues. And so if you don't have your prayer language, that's okay. But I want to encourage you tonight, if you want it, that you would say, Lord, I want this prayer language. And here's the reason being, here's why I'm even bringing this up in an altar call. Is that part of us abiding in him, we need to learn how to do and pray the perfect prayers. And we can only do that when we're praying in the spirit. And when the Holy Spirit begins to pray through us, and so let's go ahead, let's stand to our feet. And so I just want you to spend some time with the Lord right there. Just continue to gaze upon him. And if you say, I'm making two calls this evening. One is if you want your prayer language and you would say, I desire to pray in the Holy Ghost. I desire to be connected to the vine and to have an intimate relationship with no boundaries, with no barriers. And you say, I want my prayer language. I want you to go ahead and just put your hand on your heart. The second one is if you feel in your heart you've gotten cold, you've gotten numb, Maybe you've stepped away from the flame of God and your clothes don't smell like that smoke of the altar that's burning. That you would say, Lord, stir my heart. 
Lord, I long to be on flames. I long for every bit of my heart to burn for you. That nothing else in life matters but to be a carrier and a chaser, chaser of the very presence of God. So I want you to go ahead and pray. Spend some time and then I'm going to pray for some of you. But I want you just to continue to go ahead and, and gaze at the